right. Welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend and co-host, Carter. And today we're talking about the craft, social media, and making meaningful things. Don't have a title solidified yet, so we're keeping this kind of general, but do you want to kind of introduce some of these things, Carter? Sure. I think with this episode, yeah, we've kind of cast a broad net here, but we specifically, I think, want to talk about a couple of different tensions. And so one of the tensions is social media, the effect that it has on us in relationship to the craft, that's that's kind of one thing we want to kind of dig into a little bit. Um, I think we also want to think about um, the digital world interacting with what we do more broadly. So like our use of technology, our use of like applications, computers, all these sort of things, the internet, this kind of more broadly. Um, and then also the idea of in a very kind of Cal Newport way, which will Colby's going to kind of launch us into of deep, meaningful craftsmanship or deep work, um, meaningful things, and kind of how we contrast this kind of work with things that seem much more trivial or ephemeral or just kind of cheap, shallow. Like we, we want to kind of tease that out and how our relationship with technology influences whether or not or how we're doing deep, meaningful work. I don't know. Do you think that's fair? Definitely. I think that's great. I think it's, um, I'm going to launch in here, if that's cool, with a quick kind of overview of what I just read. I went through this book, Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, and it came out in 2019. Um, And really, the idea of the book is centered around applying this kind of question of, are we using technology well? So quick backstory. If you don't know Cal Newport, he's a computer science professor at, I think, Georgetown University in DC. And he's also kind of famous for writing productivity related books as well. And so he's like, his job is like technology. I mean, he's a computer scientist, you know, he's pushing tech forward. So he's not like anti-technology, but he writes this book asking questions, specifically a lot of questions about social media. Like, are we, do we have a healthy relationship with technology? And I think a lot of people know the answer to that is no. Um, I mean, I think that's why the conversation is so relevant. And I think he wrote this book because a lot of people are burnt out. A lot of people are overwhelmed by all the notifications. A lot of people are having asking more questions about social media. Is it really healthy for my mental health and for my emotional health and all these things? Because it's, there's so many levels to it that you could dig into, like the social aspects, Mm -hmm. the self-worth aspects, the um, comparison aspects, and then also just the time aspects. Like whenever Apple released their little screen, um, screen time feature where it shows you how many hours you spend each week, that started to open more eyes too of just seeing how much time you spend on a phone using Instagram. And um, and he talks about how, you know, the truth is these companies developing these major social media platforms, their business model is based on the simple fact of we are, our attention is sold to advertisers. I mean, that is the true business model. It's not like a conspiracy theory. Like that's how they make money. Um, 
is selling like this is targeted to a sp- specific demographic. You can put your ad here and, you know, you pay us. And it's a billion, billion dollar industry. Um, all this leading up to this question of how can we use technology better? And that doesn't just mean cut everything off and delete it and throw it away. And, you know, whenever you hear the word minimalism, you can kind of picture like, a house with like monastic one, life. Yeah. Like the, literally that's a great picture. It's like, that's not, but that's not what minimalism is. Like most people talk about it as like, it's intentionality. I think that's a good one. I've for it. Um, and not just having, not just buying into this capitalist consumerism, just buy, buy, buy kind of thing. It's like, um, just more intentional. And I feel like that's kind of the concept of this book, but it's got me thinking a lot about, how do I use tech? How do I spend my time? You know? And I think the default time, the, de- the times of laziness or sorry, no, the times when we were not busy 10, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. you didn't have a phone to pick up and entertain you. If you're waiting in line, if you're at a store, if you're in a waiting room, or if you're just bored in an afternoon, you didn't pick up your phone and scroll YouTube for three hours. Like you didn't have those options at one point in time. Um, And even more true for someone um, a little bit older, like than me, like Calvin Newport, you know, who's, who grew up completely without those, those accesses. So yeah, it's like, those are the concepts that I wanted to bring up. Sorry, that was a long rant, but that's what I wanted to set as a foundation for why these things are on my mind. And I've really loved to talk about what is a healthy relationship and yeah, what does it look like to use social media um, and how does it help or hinder your craft, I guess? Yeah, this is, okay, this is great. And so with that foundation laid, these issues, which a lot of us, right, we're familiar with, we're thinking about these things. It's a really good sketch about some of these big issues. To focus in on the craft here, what does social media do to us as crafts people, right? People that do crafts. And I think it's probably a negative net result. And here's my here's my theory of it. I, I think what happens a lot in, with social media is that we are constantly in a position of observation, right? There's very little interaction that we have with it. So when I read a novel, the novel asks a lot of me. It asks me to read it closely. It asks me to infer what it's trying to say. It's challenging me to understand characters. It's challenging me to understand motifs and themes and even philosophical tensions that are raised. All of that, it's asking something of me, right? When we're doing social media or we're scrolling, it's asking very, very little of us, right? The amount that I have to contribute to it is minuscule. And so in that position of observation, I think a lot of times it just puts us back on our haunches where we're observing, but we're not doing things. Like we're, we're not doing anything really productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not even making a sandwich. I mean, there's the level of doing things or even like taking a nap of resting. We're, we are only observing. And first of all, right, the human element of this, it's not healthy to to have a lot of that but as but as someone who's pursuing a craft you're not doing anything that's crafty like it's craftless there is no uh, there is no pursuit there is no process there is no production uh, there is no creativity there really it's just observation and so i think it's encouraging us to look on from the sideline which is like the antithesis of getting out there 
living, doing things, uh, and even specifically working on your craft. And it doesn't even have to be production on your craft. Like literally doing anything like we talked about last episode that's going to influence who you are as a person, which will consequently influence who you are as an artist. So that it's kind of, I don't know, I'll throw it back to you over here. That's great. I think that there's a, um, in a way, one of the big elements here is time management, I think, because it's a question of, it's something that, and time and attention management maybe because it's something that takes a lot of time from you. Um, you know, it's, I think the average is that he, he presents a lot of, you know, detailed research and stats in the book of how many, you know, like think the average use of Facebook when this was written is 50 minutes a day, at least maybe an hour a day. It's like, it's, and then that's one platform, not multi, not the three platforms you're checking. And so you've got several hours of usage every day. So there's a time issue here of how much time you're investing. And then there's an attention issue of how where am I putting my attention. And like you said, is it making me feel healthier? Is it, is it, I think it probably is changing you and making, affecting you, but is that a good thing? And um, I think a great example to share like a practical tip from the book is he's like talks about how it's not about just complete elimination necessarily but intentional use and so he gives the example of someone who really is a digital artist and they really love using instagram for that that's one of the main places digital arts happening and so they curate they unfollowed all these people they curated only to follow the artists that they really were inspired by and took out kind of like some maybe toxic things that were not good and distracting and then and they they deleted the app from their phone and they only used it on a browser and they set a time and place Friday nights at my living room, drinking a glass of wine. I'm going to like scroll through Instagram for one hour, two hours. And I'm going to look at these accounts and really enjoy that art. Like mm-hmm. that's an intentional mm-hmm. use. That's good. Of, so it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I think his mentality in the book that I agree with is like, it's not that the tool is evil. It's like, how are you using it and how's it affecting you? You know what I mean? And that circles back too to our conversation about like tool and instrument that we had a couple episodes ago, like artistic mm-hmm. tools. Uh, we talked a lot about that intentionality with it. Um, I think another byproduct too of just kind of the mindless scrolling is that our attention spans are getting trained to be very short. Yes. I, this is, I'm sure Newport spends a lot of time with his concept of deep work, right? Of like, in order to do meaningful work, oftentimes we need to have this kind of deep, sustained attention. And we're training ourselves with a lot of this to move from thing to thing to thing to thing um, at, a, at a level that's not getting anywhere near the amount of attention that's required to to get somewhere meaningful. Yeah, I think that the um, the big idea that comes from this and also from listening to his podcast recently is really that's been kind of inspiring me is doing meaningful work. And so I'd love to maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, the most general definite, well, there's kind of two pieces here. I want to talk about what is meaningful work and then also kind of the return of the long form. So long form art. So I'm talking, had a great conversation, um, with a friend about albums recently and just wanting to make an album and how that, that, um, it takes more time and there's a storyline to it and there's a depth to it. But yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Like albums, books, bigger, bigger long form content, even podcasts, maybe. Um, 
and just kind of the differences between that and the short attention span, TikToky type content. You know what I mean? Um, I want to talk about that and then also meaningful work. So maybe we could dive into first, just really, I think to give a quick summary of what's inspired me, I think it's just this idea that um, how we spend our time is our choice in so many ways. And we just give up so much by just mindlessly using our technology. And with any tool, with any instrument in your life, you have to be intentional with what you do with it. Um, and our phones are, are, I mean, I don't want it to sound like conspiratorial or anything. It's just, I think it is true. Like the engineering, it's attention engineering is the term he uses in the book. Like we, it's so true though. It's like these platforms are built. The platforms are built to keep your attention because that's their business model. That's how they make money. It just makes sense that that's what they're incentivized to do is to keep you on their platform. But that's not how you go make a book. That's not how you go make an album scrolling Twitter. Like you have to dig into some deep research. You have to shut off distractions. You have to find solitude. And those types of meaningful things are hard to do. And they're, but social media is like, it's not all evil, but it just trains us to be kind of um, just distracted and go all over and just do whatever's in front of us. And be passive, I think, let things come to us. But also what you kind of noted on there as well is that there's there's an ultimate kind of efficiency that's associated with this. There's an engineering for our attention, yes, but there's also just this idea of can I make things more convenient? Can I make things easier? Mm -hmm. Can I make things more palatable? Can I make things more quick and efficient? Right? The iWatch, right? The Apple Watch, what's that doing? Right? It's trying to make looking at your messages even more efficient. You don't even have to open your phone. You just glance at your wrist and you see your messages, right? What if we put all this, um, all these tools into a watch? Right? What's that doing? It's saying efficiency is our primary value. But we don't do everything just for the sake of efficiency, right? We don't just mm-hmm. set up an IV to get like hydrated. We enjoy drinking lemonade. Drinking lemonade is not the most efficient way to hydrate. Uh, but it doesn't mean that that is somehow right doing something that's not worthwhile. All sorts of things like so. Mm-hmm. Cassie actually just got, we're about to head out west um, to Wyoming for a trip with our family. Uh, and Cassie got me a new watch, analog watch. It's actually a uh, Seiko automatic, which is pretty cool. doesn't need batteries. Um, and there's something that I love about the mechanism of watches. And it's not efficient, right? The most efficient way would get to go get a digital watch stick a battery in it, right? And just have this or or an Apple Watch or something like that. But there's something really beautiful about a piece that is masterfully made that's got an incredible history of craftsmanship behind it. Um, And it's doing something that's elegant. There's thought on design. I mean, watches, I think, are a great example of something that's not done just for utilitarian functional purposes. And what is social media doing? I think it's training us, or at least it is functioning under the value of how easy and convenient can I make things. But if you're writing a novel, you're writing an album, guess what? That's not going to be easy and convenient, right? That's going to be a slog. And you're not training yourself to uh, to 
exert that kind of mental effort needed and physical, psychological effort that you need, you're not training yourself for that. You're getting used to like spoon feeding here and you've got to kind of tear up a steak or something that you, you know you can't just have gums. You got to have teeth. Yeah, that's so good. And there is kind of this, um, you know, I guess there's a caveat to it all that's like not everyone desires to like write a book or make an album or like start a business or do a podcast or whatever. Like in that, like it's, I think that there's a sense of like, there's some assumptions behind these ideas for me where it's like, those are things that really inspire me. And and for someone else, maybe there really is um, some value they're getting out of social media. But I think honestly, what's interesting in the book is he's, he talks, he really shows a lot of research that goes against the fact that it's not really if you're primarily focused on social relationships and connection to people, it actually also hurts that (laughs) like it doesn't make you more connected to family and more close to people like it, it, it simulates and simulates and tries to uh, provide that, but it really just gives you access to a ton of people and reduces the amount of time you spend intentionally with a few people. Um, so even that idea, like even if you're not inspired by this vision of, um, you know, making these deep, meaningful things of like, like specific artifacts, like a book or album, maybe that other piece of it is worth bringing up because it's like, there's a beauty in a deep conversation with someone over a coffee that is so different than liking their photo and dropping a comment. Hey, that's so cool. Like there's just eons of difference between those two. No, they're not even comparable. And so, um, I think that also stuck out in the book. I'm not trying to make this episode just like an anti-social media attack or anything, but like there's totally valuable uses for it. But I think his point in the book is like, even the ways that people argue about social media, like why they keep it is mm-hmm. often this nebulous, vague, I might get some, I might yeah, miss something. Yeah, I might get yeah. some. And he's like, you can't really, he's like any other product in the world. That's a terrible pitch. If you paid for a product and you're like, what do you get out of this? They're like, um, well, you might, you might miss something if you don't use it. It's like, uh, I, I don't think I want to pay for that. But somehow social media gets us on this sort of like, what will I miss? And, you know, I, I think it's valuable for something. And maybe one day there's a connection that happens and, yeah. and I get a job or it's like, these vague ambiguous ideas are what keep us hooked yeah. on. But so I don't know. I'm okay. To, I, I, I yeah. really like this. I, I like what you're saying, this vague uh, ambiguous idea because it relates so closely to um, in the spring, I was teaching an intra class at uh, UK and the theme mm-hmm. was social media and understanding issues and challenges and problems that occur and then how we go about trying to address some of these broad broad theme. But what was interesting is we'd have these discussions in class that are very similar to this. Talk about attention economy or attention design. Talk about uh, the impact on mental health comparison. Talk about the social result. Are you displacing social interactions? All this stuff. And students would be so precise in identifying, agreeing on all of these things and then during the class, I'd look over and someone's scrolling on Instagram <laughs> during the class. And so it was this thing that was yeah. unbelievable to me. Oh, it's not unbelievable, but it was just surprising to see with what clarity they recognized problems, but that somehow wasn't enough to extricate it. 
Totally. And so another interesting thing totally. is I did a little uh, survey uh, in the form of just like an easy answer to a quiz of just give me your thoughts on this um, about do you think that the use of filters on photos are helpful? Are they neutral? Like what are they? Like enhancing mm. photos. And some like 80% thought that they were negative. And I was shocked by 80% that high of people having kind of the the vision to see that there's something going on here, but there was this nebulous feeling of, but I'm going to miss something or was it dopamine? Like what's going on here? All sorts of things. And so I don't know that, that just struck out in my mind of that nebulous idea. Yeah. Well, no, it totally makes sense though, because that example is so funny of like scrolling on Instagram in the class about like, the problems of social media. But, <laughs> but if you think about it, it's like how many of us know that like a McDonald's hamburger isn't healthy for me, but it's like, yeah, but sometimes you go eat a, a crappy for you hamburger that tastes really good. And it for a sure. minute, and then you feel terrible later, but it's like, you still do it. It gives you that dopamine hit. It does make you feel really good. It It's cheap. It's quick. And it's sure. like, that's sort of what social media is for us. It's like, we know there's problems, but we like our fries. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it's, we're snacking on those things all day. And so I don't know. I think yeah. it's, and it's definitely not like, this is not like a holier than thou, like I'm clean from social media now type thing. Like I still have accounts, but it's, um, I think it's just that whole conversation of intentionality. And I think it's diet and the way people talk about sure. health is pretty, pretty good analogy for it because, you know, you, you don't have to perfectly, be on this cleanse diet and like doing all these things and having all these health rituals and like, you don't have to do you that. Because you out on some great food. Is all yeah, I it's like you don't, yeah, you don't have to do that. You don't have to live this perfect life, but it's generally good to like eat some veggies, eat, you know, follow certain health. Like we know certain things are sure. unhealthy, so we just limit the usage of it, you know? Sure. Um, it's that everything in moderation kind of idea almost. And so anyways, I guess that leads me though. I'd love to tap in a little more on what, so the opposite of this, um, getting into more like practically for craftsmanship or yeah. designing or pursuing a craft, like what, um, I don't know. I've just been really inspired by this idea of meaningful work and meaningful, deep work, meaningful, like making something that takes more time to make and also making something that takes more time to consume. I think there's a call here for the creator and the consumer to both, you know, like I think that the album isn't dead. I think that the book isn't dead. Are, do people read less? Probably. Do people listen to singles and like these little two song EPs? Like, I think that that's like the trend in music right now. Um, is like short EP releases and stuff, but I don't think that the album is dead, you know, and maybe no one's saying that, but I just think that I've just been noticing this beauty in longer form content because I see a deeper work that went into it, a deeper value inside of it. Not saying that short videos or short songs or short pieces of art are not valuable, but simply saying there's something about, there's generally a correlation between how much work was put in and how much output you see, like in terms of pages or length or, or depth. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all that? And how do you, how do you think through that stuff? Cause I know we've talked about yeah. long-term projects before and I don't know. 
I mean, I think in some ways it comes down to very simple. If you spend a lot of time, effort, thought into creating something, mm-hmm. that's going to be better than if you spent very little effort, almost no thought, and half-heartedly created something. Like the uh, the creative arithmetic in this way, if you're putting all this effort uh, and intentionality into something that requires something of you, I, I, I kind of keep coming back to this idea that it's asking something of you. Like the experience within the viewer or reader or listener encountering that is going to be different because what you've created is different. And I also think that is a very important process of growing this kind of friction. And that was something that, oh, I forget, I forget his name. Oh, it's back. I mentioned, I mentioned his work on our artistic tools episode. But he mentioned, uh, was it Andy, Andy Couch, Crouch? Crouch, Andy Crouch. Yeah. yeah. He Andy was talking about like I think frictionless and friction. Friction and frictionless kind of um, applications in technology. Mm-hmm. And like technology is trying to make things frictionless. But when yeah. we do that, there's there's no kind of there's no kind of opposition. This actually might have been from another podcast. So I would just totally throw out the source. Okay. Uh, but basically the idea that when we remove that kind of opposition we're atrophying. It's just like lifting at the gym. Like if you're just lifting three pound weights, you're going to atrophy. Like, but if you're lifting heavy weights, right, your body's got to respond. It's why should we think it's any different in the creative life? Sure. If, if you're not pushing strenuously against something, then I don't know, you're, you're missing something. Is this, is this along the lines of kind of what you were thinking? I think so. Definitely. And I'll get a more specific question for you here. Walk me through, what do you think about, um, either a single versus an album or a short story versus a novel or a book. Like I'm trying to think of a like really tangible example, but give me yeah. your thoughts on like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to ask is one more valuable than the other, but really just like, it's like I've been captured lately by this idea of making longer form things because there's more depth that goes into it. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something that kind of inspires me about that. Like vision of, I, I make things that take a long time to make, but then the outcome is better. So I don't know if there's a practical like short story versus novel that you might tap into and share some thoughts on. All right. A couple of thoughts here. Really great question. Um, so kind of, I like how we're tabling. We're not, this is not a compare, which is the better no. medium. Um, so I'll kind of mention two things that stand out with this question. One is that I just finished reading a couple weeks ago, uh, The Angle of Repose by Wallace Stegner. I might have mentioned this. It's like 550 pages or something. So it's a pretty sizable novel. There's a feeling that you get when you go through something that has required hours and hours of your attention. The story has captivated you, right? You feel almost invested. Like there's that, and people talk about this, it kind of breaks your heart there at the end. And then it's Mm. done. And there's this sense of you've encountered something, you've experienced something. It has asked a lot of you. You can't sit down and do this. It's asked for your patience and endurance. And there's something incredibly, not only rewarding, but just meaningful to go back to that word and going Mm -hmm. through something that is asking that much of you. And you're kind of going on a longer duration trip with this. 
The other thing I'll say is I also, and this mentioned this not too long ago, finished Absalon, Absalon by Faulkner, and that was an, an incredibly complex, difficult-to-read novel. It asked a ton, right? You, you really had to, I mean, you were scratching your head, you were rereading passages, mm. but there's this really great feeling at the end of as you're discovering and putting pieces together and working through the friction mm. of this kind of like exulting feeling. It's almost like, like when you're working out or something and you're running and it's really hot, right? Mm. And you're pushing through it and then you finish the run, right? It being difficult and that work being complex and asking a lot contributed to my experience. So I think long duration, to go back to the single and the album, I think there is something that long duration projects give us that short ones don't, right? And part of it is because I think they ask more of us. Yeah. So on the consumer side, I that totally clicks with me in thinking about, I mean, it takes an hour to listen through an album, you know, and it takes three, five, five to six minutes to listen to like a two song EP, which I think is kind of a bit of a trend right now. It's like two song kind of combo. Sometimes it's really? like, interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's just the music I listen to, but I'd say in pop, I'm seeing more like two song EPs where it's like either, and sometimes it's just like, a sing, I think for a long time, singles have been really big, you know? And so it's more of a question conversation of like, do you put out singles or do you put out albums? And I talk to people I work with music with a lot about that question. It's like, is it worth putting this into a five song EP? Would it be cooler to, even I think EPs though, like there's a, there's just a, a step up that happens when you go from putting out one song to telling a story over four. Like sure. there's, I think that, on the consumer side to get to my original thought listening through a 60 minute album requires more of me i get to find a theme i get to hear how they reference the lyrics from one song in another and they're drawing i see their growth of a character or maybe a storyline i see you know i get to hear a lot of different sounds and i get to see them kind of flex different muscles artistically yeah. and say hey i can do this style i can do this style yep it's it's just richer and it's there's more it's basically i mean it's not just 10 singles it's a a bigger body of work broken down into songs and in the book it's not just a bunch of short stories it's a it's a a lot of individual chapters that weave together a bigger picture and say something more um, okay you know what you're, i mean you're going to really like this i think so there is a term in aesthetics uh, called gestalt, and it's the idea that huh. the sum of all the parts, the whole, is more than just the sum. So I said that a little bit wrong. The whole, gestalt, the whole is more than just the sum of the parts. And so it's not yes. just 10 individual singles. The whole of that album is somehow more than just adding up everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's this idea of artistic wholeness and encountering something that is a combination of multiple things but can't just be reduced to different elements. So it's not just yes. sounds. Like, take an individual song. It's not just drums and horns and guitar and vocals. Like, the gestalt of that song is something unified mm. and cohesive and whole, and you can't just reduce it to a bunch of individual sounds. Yes. That's literally, that's so crazy. There's like a term for what I was thinking of. <laughs> totally. I backed into that on accident. That's great. Um, yeah. And I think 
think your your two examples of those books were excellent for exactly what I'm describing on the side of experiencing it and then on the side of creating it. I don't know what went into making you know, a 500 page book. I mean, that just sounds like a slog. <laughs> that sounds hard. Um, what I guess. You know, it's kind of like this is such a general concept that it's almost hard to have a conversation about it because it's like, yeah. I don't know that I really have anywhere further to go except that this this idea has really captured me lately and it's really inspired me and asked me in what I'm thinking through in my life to kind of maybe wrap up this thought is yeah. um, I want to keep pulling this thread and keep pursuing this question of what would be more meaningful and spend less time on these things that are just kind of half-hearted commitments like yeah. social media, like reading for me, it's like I stopped social media for a while ago. So generally, so mm-hmm. it's like reading a lot of newsletters and blogs and just constantly yeah. like reading these like short articles and trying to learn new things fast, like in YouTube videos, lots of YouTube and Reddit, like mm-hmm. scrolling through there mm-hmm. and like seeing interesting threads. Like it's more of that quick hits of new sure. knowledge. Sure. That's like, I think reading through a book is kind of the opposite of that. It's like, it takes way more time. It's a little bit less enticing at first sure. but it's more rewarding afterwards um so i just think i wanted to share that vision of what i've been thinking through and um and then also it's not like i'm planning an album or anything per se but it definitely it's like i've been almost you waiting like, for the drake vocals to come in yes waiting for the drake vocals no i i do th- honestly think though it's kind of inspired me a little bit of like i i see more value there now i see mm. more value and like maybe maybe it I could write a book one day because I, I don't know, just the idea of trying to write a book over a period of time. So I don't know what it would be about. Probably be like a nonfiction if I wrote a book, but that's just kind of recently, like I think just seeing like reading these Cal Newport books because he talks somewhat about his process and what he does. It's like kind of inspired me a bit. Um, but yeah, just this idea of investing in things that are harder to do, maybe starting a business or, um, making zine instead of just individual photos on Instagram. Mm. You know, those are not, one is not necessarily like worse than the other, but there's just more value and meaning and depth in, or there's more depth and meaning, I think, in putting together that long form piece of content, you know. So that's what I wanted to share. I I think, dude, I think that's great. The meaningful life. I mean, that's what's been pursued, right? philosophers mm-hmm. uh, and people and just human beings uh, nothing incredibly new here we're we're, we're, nope. we're probing that uh and so yeah <laughs> I, I love it and to kind of turn this conversation to maybe a good question to ask what digital tools or what digital i'll use the unbelievably vague things what digital things are propelling you catalyzing pushing you helping you do meaningful things and which ones aren't that's a good question to ask i think definitely i think that's great to end on honestly um and i guess to add one more thing to that though on the application side like to get more specific on um application i think something that i would throw out as just an idea um if you're interested in what's a step you can take into kind of like seeing how social media is used and what tech is kind of distracting you. I'm doing this thing that he recommends in the book, which is just like taking a 30 day digital detox, quote unquote, uh, where you basically kind of like set some rules for yourself. What am I going to take a break from? For me, that's um, social media, but the things that are really 
for me, I already mentioned YouTube, Reddit, email newsletters, blogs, that kind of stuff. Um, taking a break from all that streaming, taking a break from listening to podcasts some too. Cause I, I just listen, I just I get too many ideas like going on at the same time. Um, so taking a break from that and then replacing that over 30 days with meaningful other activities. I, you know, you can fill in the blanks there for yourself. Um, but like spending time with people doing, trying a new hobby, like reading some books, like finding new things that are deeper and more meaningful than social media to fill that space. And, um, yeah, so setting those rules on your phone for 30 days. And at the end of 30 days, reintroducing that technology with new rules and and protocols in place. So it's like, I'm going to use Instagram, but I'm only using it on Fridays for an hour and only on my web browser, deleting it from my phone, like setting intentional rules, not as to be enslaved to them, but just like to have a reason that's very clear about how you use that thing. Um, And the whole idea is that taking 30 days off can help you have a clearer picture of what things are actually needed and what are not. So I don't know. I'm on day like, what day is it? I'm probably like, I kind of started right around the beginning of the month. So I'm about halfway through right now. Yeah. And um, so far I feel a little bit less anxious. I feel a little bit less, you know, hungry to pick up my phone, which feels really good. Um, And yeah, so I thought I'd throw that out there as an application idea. Love it. We might do a check-in after this uh, 30 days, get a little debrief. That'd be interesting. Sounds good, man. Well, I think it's time for the quote of the week. So I've got kind of a longer quote today. This is a section from Digital Minimalism. And I it's from the introduction. I thought it would be a good thing to end on since this has centered a lot around these ideas from the book. So um, let me get going here. In Walden, Thoreau famously writes, the massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. Less often quoted, however, is the optimistic rejoinder that follows in his next paragraph. They honestly think there is no choice left, but alert and healthy nature remember that the sun rose clear. It is never too late to give up our prejudices. Our current relationship with the technologies of our hyper-connected world is unsustainable and is leading us closer to the quiet desperation that Thoreau observed so many years ago. But as Thoreau reminds us, the sun rose clear and we still have the ability to change the state of affairs. So yeah, I thought I thought that was a good quote just for kind of pulling in Thoreau um, and the ideas of just, um, do you have a choice with what you do? And that you have a choice in, specifically in this realm of technology and how we use it. And it's not all bad, but we can use it in better ways. That's great. And, you know, from, from Walden as well, um, he says, I wish to live deliberately. And I think that's so good with our kind of mindset here. Like if you're yes. going to, when you're using digital tools, use them deliberately, like understand what you're doing. Don't be passive and surprised. Like when you see, oh man, I spent that much time. Like try not to be surprised, like deliberately know mm-hmm. these things. Uh, and I love the optimism of that quote too. Coming after the quiet desperation, still the idea that, hey, this is not, we're not enslaved to this. The sun's coming up. There's kind of a freshness and a newness possible. Yes. Love it. Do you have any more thoughts before we wrap up here? That was, uh, we hit a lot of stuff there. Solid 40 minutes right there. (laughs) Yes, sir. Awesome. Well, let us know what you think at heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. Send any feedback. Let us know how the 30 day detox goes for you if you do it. And, um, 
yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.